Good morning, everyone. How are you guys doing? What's going on? Welcome to episode 29 of Merchants of Novigrad, a podcast where we discuss everything Gwent. Today with me, as always, my partner in crime, Hesser Tavern. And as you guys can see, once again, we have a very unique guest, the composer behind your favorite Gwen and Thronebreaker tunes, the incredibly talented P.T. Adamczyk. How are you guys doing? What's going on? Thank you. Thanks for having me. It's great to be with you guys. And uh, let's talk Gwent. We are definitely going to do so, but before we get into that, a couple of words to our boys and girls in chat. If you have any questions for PT, you can ask them in chat. And Hesser, as always, has been charged with the task of collecting the more interesting ones. Also, if you'd like to stay in touch off stream, you can do so by following us on Twitter at Novigrad Podcast. And as always, if you have other responsibilities and can't watch us live, this episode is going to be uploaded on YouTube, Spotify, and a number of other platforms, either later today or tomorrow. And with that being said, let's get into the first segment of our show, which as always is what have you been up to? So, PT, how have you been? Very good. Thank you very much. Uh, I just got PS5. So I'm getting into some new games. I'm excited for, you know. And other than that, Gwenting, working, and I'm actually planning vacation. And can't wait to start my trip. Oh, vacation sounds delightful. Uh, I'm actually going to be traveling uh, abroad for the first time in a couple of years. In only in quite quite soon. So uh, I know the feeling. I know the feeling. It feels um, awesome. There's something I actually want to ask because, uh, you know, you, you have some time off, but, uh, you know, with the Cyberpunk and Monster Slayer being all done and released and whatnot, uh, can you actually tell us what are you going to be working on once you are back from your vacation? Well, I mean, there's nothing I can actually talk about, which is sad, uh, but I have some projects um, that I'm working on currently. I'm also using the, you know, the... Of the relative calmness of the period that we're in right now. I actually started working on my own tracks that maybe next year I'm going to release. Who knows how that's going to work out. But this is like my passion project. Is that something connected to to any of the projects that I'm involved with? So, um, yeah, off, you know, I can't really talk about anything. But there are a few projects uh, coming that will have my tunes on it. So, can't wait for you guys to have a listen. Yeah, of course, we expect as much because the uh, third installment of, of this new Gwen set is coming next month. So we expect a new theme from you <laughs> to be part of that that, that installment. Um, but circling back to Monster Slayer, uh, because I haven't played. I know that Hesser is playing. I've, be, I've seen some stuff on Twitter. Uh, you said on Instagram, and that was like a year ago, that uh, it has some tunes composed by yeah. you. Where can we find them? I've been trying. Yeah. I've been looking for them. I, I, I don't think they have been released outside of the game, but if you play Monster Slayer, I did uh, like five combat tracks and I think one exploration track. So, And I think the one exploration cue that I did is the one that happens... When it's at night, I think. Um, so yeah, if you go, if you play Monsters, I'm actually playing it. I have my Witch was like level fifteen, uh, and right now they have this uh, extended range that you don't really have to go out 
<laughs> look for <laughs> monsters because the range is so big that you can be literally just sitting in your apartment waiting for monsters to show up. Uh, but yeah, I mean, there's a, there's a few tunes of mine there, and Martin also did uh, his part. I think we did like 30 minutes for the game, but I may be wrong about it. Is there any chance you are going to release them outside of the game at some point? Well, I mean, it's, it's not up to me actually to decide that, you know, it's, uh, it's the Spoko guys that need to be willing to put them out. Um, but who knows, maybe in, in the future we'll do that. I, you know, I, I'm, I'm, I'm not really the, the guy who can just say, yeah, we're just going to release it tomorrow or in a month. <laughs> and know, then get in uh, trouble this... with the Spoko guys. <laughs> There's there's several people that need to you know greenlit this whole thing so um, we'll see you know but I, I'm pretty sure you know probably sooner uh, there will be some uploads to YouTube or wherever people will just crack open the game and take the music <laughs> yeah that would be convenient because it's it's not easy to you know actually listen to that music because you're usually just walking down the street and you know just playing yeah. the game muted right <laughs> exactly yeah. exactly. Yeah, and you have to have your your uh, your earplugs or your headphones because I'm I'm pretty sure people would not be amazed by by all that LLA when you are walking the street and playing the game. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Uh, for a moment, I would like to uh, go to you, Hesser, because there there is some news involving you that I discovered by accident. I still feel feel a little bit pissed pissed off about that because <laughs> I expected to be the first to hear. But you joined the Russian Gwendera team. Oh What's yeah, the story? That's right. I, I know. I know you're not pissed. In fact, but you know the story is actually you know quite simple. There were just guys who we were you know just talking with after the tournaments, after I was translating them, and they were you know in that team. And I decided that I would like some help and some coaching for for Gwent, you know, and decided to just join up. Uh, with those guys to to you know have some conversations about Gwent and not only. And I've recently switched to the Russian segment as well for streaming, so I decided that's that's gonna be a good move. And uh, yeah, we are having fun there. I'm no, I, I don't know how long it's gonna last. You know me, it's like you know streaming for half a year and quitting and then just coming back. So it's probably gonna be pretty much the same this time. I mean, there is a strategy to that because whenever you come back, people are gonna be like, "Oh my God, he's back! Let's follow, oh, let's yeah. up." Uh, you, you know how it works. <laughs> Oh, yeah, I'm using the same wave that we were uh, discussing before the stream, actually. <laughs> Just, you know, getting back at the right moment, right? Oh, the release yeah. of, for example, the Witcher TV series. Okay, I'm there. I'm there to watch with you, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right, right Right now you got back and we got the, the Netflix thing, the Netflix movie. Did I, have, you, have you actually watched, guys, the, the anime Netflix? I don't, I don't remember the title. I'm, I'm sorry. I know it released. <laughs> Yeah, I, I I still have it on my uh, on my to do list to watch that, but I heard from people that, that this is pretty cool, so can't wait. Yeah, I watched it and, and I really enjoyed it. I'm like I don't know, uh, maybe I'm not like a super sophisticated Witcher fan like uh, Weisenberg, but yeah, you're not hardcore I'm... enough. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I'm just like a you know, casual fan of whatever the Witcher universe is throwing at me. I'm just taking it, right? 
Yeah, I, I always say that, you know, Netflix and The Witcher, it's, it's not a good combo. <laughs> that, that's me. I, I always feel like uh, CDPR has set the bar extremely high. And for Netflix to get there is almost impossible. But that's my own take on this. And, you know, then, then of course, you have all the, the lore stuff after reading the books. And, you know, pointing out that this is not how it happened in the books. But yeah, the, on behalf, on behalf of CDPR, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I actually forgot you are part of the team. <laughs> it's so easy to forget sometimes. Uh, but speaking of CDPR and, and the work you're doing, um, let's let's get into the actual uh, podcast content because you are a composer and an artist, and we are a bunch of laymen. Like we have, we know nothing about music. So, uh, assuming that, assuming that we know completely nothing, can you walk us through the process of how, you know, the Gwent or the Thronebreaker soundtrack is was, is or was being made? Like, let's say one day you wake up and somebody from CPR calls you and says, PD, we need a new piece of soundtrack. What happens next? Well, first of all, uh, I work in-house, so there's no need to call me because I'm there every day and trying to be as close to the project as possible so that I can work sideways to what they're working on. So I always try to be proactive and send stuff. So because I feel like, you know, having a piece of music for the part of the game or or map level, whatever, gonna help you with the right tone. And also sometimes designers ask for that. Let's say they're working on a quest and they ask, even if the, the piece they're asking for is not going to be the finished, the, the final one, uh, they sometimes ask for like a mood setter for, for a moment. So, um, the, I mean, the way it works, it's different with Gwent and than it was with, Cyber, with Cyberpunk or with Thronebreaker because, you know, Gwent is an online game. So we know that. You know, there's gonna be a few releases during the year, and you know the team asks. You know, sometimes they ask um, like what you want to do. You know, with the theme for the menu or for the trailer, and sometimes they already have a strong vision like what they want and what they need. Uh, for example, the the tracks from the newest journey. I was, they just informed me like, okay, we need tracks for new boards because this is going to be the new vanity in this journey. And at first I thought, well, this is kind of weird. But then I, I actually, you know, first I saw the response and I saw within the company, then I saw the response of the players and I thought, okay, that was a great idea with that. You know, it's a really fun way of uh, engaging players. So, you know, the, Back to your question, um, I basically try to stay close to the project and try to come up with stuff as you know as, during the moment that the the thing is being developed. And it's like the the technical thing of composing. I'm still trying to figure it out, man. I I, I really don't know how how it works, to be honest. Um, sometimes you know, sometimes you get. You know, there, there is something that's in the character or the theme for the for the expansion if we're talking about when that immediately strikes you okay I think something would be appropriate like an instrument 
or maybe a tempo, or you have a melody or riff, whatever, and you basically try to make this thing pull you through this whole thing, and you try to compose as with that being the centerpiece of the of the track. Other times it's just like you try you would try whatever because you don't really know what's gonna work or what's gonna be appropriate. So it's really hard to answer. Um, it's really hard to answer. It's really hard to do. <laughs> so so um, yeah, I. But I have to say I I really enjoy doing those Gwent tunes. I um, I get a lot of great messages from people that I actually didn't expect that in the beginning because I thought, well, it's a mobile game. It's a, I mean, it's an online game. You know, probably, you know, people just going to skip through the lobby and go right into the gameplay. Uh, but I, you know, I, I received a lot of great comments from people, which is amazing that they care so much about this music. So I love doing those tunes. <laughs> <laughs> it's... It's actually funny that you said that you didn't expect people to to pay as much attention to to the menu music because I remember when the Way of the Witcher dropped and, and your track was on it, somebody said a menu music, some menu music has no right to bang this hard. <laughs> it should not happen. <laughs> like people loved it. People were cat jacked. They were they were. I I know that you are not on Reddit. But there were there was a lot of threats with pe- with people you know creating gifts and whatnot that showcasing how much they were jamming to that music. <laughs> well, it turned out okay. Um, it uh, it was it was one of those uh, those tracks that I didn't really have like a very solid idea when I started doing it. Um, it was just you know I was like, okay, Witchers. The origin of Witchers, you know, it's probably need to be some badass music. That was <laughs> that was the brief I gave myself. You know, there was no other thoughts in my head about that. So I'm glad it turned out okay. Oh, it turned out more than okay. But I'm actually wondering because you said sometimes you have this creative spark when when you know, okay, this is what I want. Sometimes you are just searching. How long does it take on average? Like, you know what you have to do? You are being commissioned or... Right. Well, you know, I have this thing that um, a track that's like two minutes or two and a half minutes, I try to finish it in a day or at least get the get the sort of main compositional piece in it together within that day. Because then, when, what you know, when this is done, I feel safe that I can bend it and I can flesh it out with colors and with orchestrations, and I can work longer if I feel the need. Um, but getting that, you know, the thing, like this hook that's gonna pull you through this track, getting that within a day is very important for me. And I, and if I don't feel that I'm able to do that, I will actually wait, maybe a day, maybe do something else, because. Especially in a game like Gwent, where, where the music is, as we you know talked before the stream, is like folk metal on peered instruments. There needs to be drive, a specific drive in this in those tracks. So I often find that I can't really force it. 
it's either there or it's not there. Um, and so yeah, so, so so getting that riff, that you know, that tune that's gonna be the main tune for that track within a day, this is really important because I feel like my attention span is kind of short. And if I come back to it, I will probably start reshaping it. You know, maybe okay, maybe need this needs another part or whatever. Um, and it needs to be more straight to the point. All right. All right, perfect. And, um, you know, you actually answered that second question uh, partly, but um, what kind of information is made available before you start writing? We know that you mentioned that, for example, you know that this is the for the quest, for instance, this is threat for the mood setter, right? And do you know, like, the overall theme or maybe you're getting to see the content for which you're supposing to, you know, to compose or how does it look like? Um, that depends whether I'm doing a menu track or a board track or, you know, a trailer or whatever. Usually is uh, someone from the team, from the higher ups saying, okay, the setting of this expansion or whatever or whatever we're doing is about that what you have in mind or we want this to you know if we're portraying this character like we were portraying Alzor in the way of the witcher it needs to feel powerful badass he's like this mage that's also a rebel you know so you basically are looking for those buzzwords and uh, and if there's art, I always love looking at art, but I rarely get it. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, whatever there is, I mean, I like getting as much info from the team as possible. And that's for all the projects that I do. I, because I, I like to feel that I'm doing something bespoke and doing something that's very specific. Um, and, you know, I, I, I like myself in a project and and trying to come up with something that can only exist in that project so i will i will you know to, and, and obviously you know i work in a house i know those guys and girls so there is a shorthand in communication because i can sometimes relate to this stuff that i did or martin did in the witcher 3 or whatever it is so you know there are, those those aren't like a very like brainstorms and we're like trying to come up with you we you know there's usually there can be like a conversation near the coffee machine that lasts like five minutes but we kind of already know um the vernacular of the music so you know so there's a shorthand um so yeah this is i guess this is how it works it's kind of hard to talk about it because <laughs> i always i always find when i talk about stuff like that the next that i'm gonna do it doesn't follow those rules <laughs> it doesn't follow the same the same um uh, the same process so it's usually the hardest one to do um but yeah let's hope it's let's hope the next one's not gonna suck <laughs> Yeah, but it, it is like super impressive because you know you're you're saying you know some buzzwords, but this is pretty vague, right? When somebody's saying that, okay, this is like a uh, you know super cool character and just make some music for this person, right? So even when you see the art, it's it's still like right, pretty difficult, at least for me, you know, to depict that, you know, and uh, and just create music for this. 
but all right <laughs> this is why why you're making the music not me <laughs> well you know i always try to to go back to to witcher 3 soundtrack and uh, also take inspiration from that and from martin and Miko i did um and try to expand musical vocabulary of, of that game because this is this is like our canon musically you know Right. And when we were doing, for instance, the Novigrad uh, expansion, the first thing that I thought is like, okay, we're going to use the persons of Novigrad as, you know, as as the theme for Syndicate. Uh, because yeah, this is something... Tune. Yeah, and this is something, as a fan of the universe, fan of the game, that's something that I actually would like to hear. You know, I, like, I would like to hear tunes from the previous game because every, it ties everything together oh, yeah. and it makes the franchise cohesive and it's it's like putting on an old pair of shoes, you know, listening to a tune that you haven't heard in a while and all of a sudden there it is, you know, dressed up differently but this is the tune. So uh, I like doing that, I like coming back to to themes that Martin did. I remember in Iron Judgment I used Mikowai's theme for the Witch Hunters. Um, and obviously, you know, Mikowai's Gwen theme, I mean, I did all sorts of permutations to it throughout the years. I, so, and, but, you know, it's a, it's a simple motif, but it's simple enough that it allows a lot of creative input. And you can change the harmony, you can change the tempo, the meter, you can play backwards, forwards. There's a lot of things you can do with with that uh, motif, and yeah, I love doing that. Yeah, for some reason, the first thing that came to mind is that homework meme. Like, dude, can I use your homework? Yeah, sure, but just change a couple of things that they don't. Pay <laughs> <laughs> this is exactly what we do. <laughs> um, I I would like to follow up on the on the artwork comment. Is that something that speaks to you more than you know? these vague descriptions and buzzwords like when they show you actual artwork is that something that work that you know creates that creative spark in your in your head more than than descriptions well i don't know to be honest but what art does and what's helpful about it at least for me and in a game like gwent is that let's say you have a troll and you have to write the music for the troll so you see that this cave troll has stones. They said, well, how, how, what sound they making, you know? And he said, well, maybe I can use that as part of the percussion or whatever. And a lot of the times, if I'm, you know, struggling to find the correct idea, I go for that. And it may sound stupid, but this is something that I, uh, this is like the trick that I discovered throughout the years that, that works when you're, you, know, you have to deliver quickly. It's not really coming together. Just look at it. Okay, how the hell this guy sounds? You know, what sound is he making? And try to come out, come you know, at the at the at it from like a you know sonoristic sound designing uh, way. So sometimes it works like that, but you know, it's it, it's very difficult to to answer this question because sometimes buzzwords. Are enough, you know. It, it it may sound like it's not much. It's not a lot of information, but sometimes this is all the information you need. Especially if you're working on a project for quite some time, you know what things already feel appropriate 
even before you hear them, you know. So, yeah, pretty hard to answer. I mean, I, I like looking at that also because it's gorgeous. I mean, the artists at CDPR are amazing. So, whatever you, you know, whenever there's new thing to look at, it's just sheer beauty. So, why not, you know? Um, but yeah, but as I said, as I said before, I, I will take whatever they give me. <laughs> and, and and speaking of which, um, it actually uh, connects with our next question, which is, how much creative freedom do you have when working on something new for Gwent? For instance, and, and I and I told you that uh, on on Twitter as well. You know, when I was first listening to the Thanet cool, uh theme, I was like, "Dude, this is Howard Shore. This is Lord of the Rings all over the place." Mm-hmm. Um, is that something that higher ups need to need to greenlight, or or you can just do whatever you you, you find appropriate? Well, generally, the music team at CDPR has a lot of creative freedom. There's very little micromanaging inside the team. Like, Martin is not the guy who would, you know, give you hours and hours of feedback on a track. As long as it's following the unwritten guidelines, you know what I mean? As long as it feels appropriate, he will will be okay with with what I'm doing. And the same thing sort of goes to um, other departments that may have an influence on us. Um, we usually try to work as collaborators, so if they have something that really doesn't fit their vision, I would uh, I would listen to that feedback, and I'm you know I'm happy to change it because I'm always coming from a point of view that the designers or the game makers in general they spend their life with the game, they probably know it better than I do, even though I work in house, you know, but. I work in house, but I work on different projects within CDPR, so my attention has to be split between those. And if you know a lot of the designers, let's say for Gwent, they work on Gwent only, so you know I feel like they probably know better. And good example is when I did the Price of Power track. I was the the main sort of motif that starts um, the very beginning of the track was first done on the accordion and someone I don't remember who it was said that you know in the Witcher world accordion is vampires and there's no vampires here so can we please change that instrument and I'm like okay this is a fair comment you know because imagine did use um, in Blood and Wine the accordions to portray vampires okay it makes a lot of sense to change it uh, but other than that you know it's usually just sending tracks and they say okay i mean usually the trailers are the most difficult because there's a lot of things that need to come together you know the editing the the voiceover so there there may be uh, other departments may be a bit more involved in the music but also you know that's just the nature of the process and you kind of have to pay attention to that and also and if you can sort of embrace that Usually, best thing, things happen because you know the. It, it, you always have to remember that those people they they want don't want to harm your music, but you are part of the project and we all need to work together. So their comment probably, you know, ninety nine percent of the time probably is gonna make the whole thing better. 
So the smart thing is to to listen to that comment. It's actually interesting that you said that um, the price of power theme that you specifically had to move from accordion to something else, because to my semi-deaf ears, it still sounds like accordion. <laughs> <laughs> well, this is uh, this is a hurdy gurdy plus a solo cello, so the combination may have a bit of that sort of wonky accordion-like uh, like timbre to it. Um, there's also an, an organ very softly playing the same thing in the background, but it's really hard to listen to. It's more just for the, to fill up some frequencies. Um, but yeah, but, but when the accordion was there, it was like really there. <laughs> you could, it was the lead instrument of that. Because my first that, impression um, was, I mean, you said that the reason why you had to change was it sounded a lot like the blood and wine uh soundtrack that is vampire related and that was also my first impression i was like this is on the show desolet all, all over again like the, the first reef it just sounds like it's banging exactly the same way well maybe uh, subconsciously maybe i was thinking you know that magic this has something to do with older uh, you know the unknown, the older powers and stuff like that. Maybe that's because you know that's how the vampire sort of influence came came in. But uh, it's it was probably more subconscious than conscious, to be honest. I was just that, and coming back to the one of the previous questions, like this one was actually fairly um, easy to do because I had that motif pretty quickly, and I thought, okay, this is probably gonna work with this whole setting, you know. Um, it's probably gonna be appropriate for the also for the trailer and for for the menu track. So this one came together pretty quickly. Oh yeah. So you know, on on one hand, we know how you're working on, for example, Gwent tracks or just you know the CDPR's music. Uh, considering The Witcher, right? That you're working around the canon, revisiting some pieces to make it cohesive. But what about, for example, creating some other piece of work? Uh, are you, like, for example, going shopping before you go to work and you listen to some already existing soundtracks, OSTS, genres, and etc., or or does it look differently? Um, you're asking about any other project or something yeah. that's, that I'm doing on, on my own in, uh, in let's say, mm. free time? Okay, that 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 as well. That would be interesting well, the, to hear. The, the the thing is, I I love instruments, and I like getting my hands on instruments and trying to figure out what they can do. Because you know, I've studied. I have a lot of books on orchestration, and but the real knowledge I get is actually when I can hold something and figure. out, Okay, so you can actually put your hand here. And you have those two notes can be played the same, you know, at the same time. And the same thing goes with synthesizers. Like I, I have a lot of VSTs. I have a lot of virtual synthesizers, but they are not giving me the sort of the the feedback that I would like an instrument to give. I hate mousing. I hate changing, you know, changing knobs and moving knobs with a mouse. I would much rather have a simpler instrument, uh, a simpler synthesizer, you know, with not as much LFOs, not as much, you know, uh, oscillators or whatever. 
but I have it being a physical thing, you know, then I can actually spend some time and I like spending time with it. When I have to mouse things, I'm usually bored like after five minutes. Uh, so instruments are really important and trying to find instruments that first of all I can get, you know, that so they have to be around somewhere. So the second thing is um, there's got to be something in that instrument that's, that's appropriate for the, for what I'm trying to do. But also I like instruments that, especially when it comes down to like synths, that they that don't have a typical um, interface. What I mean by that is, you know, I, I've I've been to music schools and blah blah blah. I've studied music a lot, but you know, you, you, you usually we're we're accustomed to interface of a keyboard or a score or I don't know, guitar uh, neck or something like that. But when you have an instrument that doesn't follow those guidelines and it's just a bunch of knobs or a bunch of patch cables you do think really differently about what what's about to happen and what you want to do. Um, so I really look for instruments like that. And it's not only like modular synthesizers, also, you know, in Gwent, we talked before, there's this Moroccan instrument that I bought. And I saw, saw how the people are playing it, and I'm like, I'm, I'm probably not going to play it like that, but this is really, really interesting sound, really weird. I would love to put my hands on it and figure out what I can do with it, you know? So the instrument's really important. And this is usually my uh, point of entry for any project. You know, I try to figure out what the band is and work within the limits and capabilities of that band. Yeah, I think, right. I think the question was also about um, you know, shopping in the sense of, uh, let me explain first, because as somebody, you know, who went to university, what they always taught us is you don't have to reinvent the wheel. Like if you have a project, you have to do something, look for something that's already been done. Is that something you're doing? Like, you know, okay, this is what I've been commissioned for. Do you, do you instantly go, okay, let's check the Witcher 3 soundtrack and, 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 and to see if I can come right. up with something right there. Right. Well, Okay. Obviously, uh, you know, there are projects that are basically just following certain rules of a genre. So it's very important for you to know those rules and to either disobey them or be in sync with them. Mm. Sometimes also you can be very creative with uh, using... Uh, say well-known um, tropes of a genre by infusing them into what you're doing you can actually create some interesting context that what was not there uh, before you did that and that can that can be very powerful um, I think this is this is all about you know this this is probably true to the whole pop culture it's all about their play of different things, different ideas, different genres, different points of views. So to not listen to existing stuff, this, this would be great detriment to your, 
your uh, musical imagination. But also, if you listen too much, there's, there's the danger that even subconsciously you're just going to be lifting stuff mm. from other places. Uh, so, but then again, you know, we're all musicians, so love listening to music. This is why we got into the business, just to write music, to play music. So, not, so, you know, not listening to, it's, I, I know people who say that they don't listen to stuff because they're working on that, blah, blah, blah. I don't, I don't want to be this guy. You know, there's a ton of artists that I love. I can't imagine my life without their music. So I obviously, you know, listen to the stuff that I love because I love listening to it. It's as simple as that. I mean, I try to be conscious about lifting and not, you know, not lift too much. Or if I lift, I want to do it creatively as a, as a nod to someone, you know. Uh, but I mean, yeah. The, I, I guess when, when you are a composer or a musician or whatever, you do that because you love music. So yeah, I I try to listen as much as possible. You know, I when this whole streaming services started, I mean, I was really amazed because there was you know the whole all of the music I would like to listen to available to you in you know in two clicks or whatever. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I uh, I think listening to the stuff that was done before is is important. Is uh, there are great lessons that can be learned from that. There's also things that can be avoided. You know, you can learn from other people's mistakes also. So this is also valid. Um, and it's really difficult in music to really reinvent the wheel. You know, it's really really difficult. It's still possible. The likelihood of it happening is very little. Mm-hmm. Um, you said that you're listening to stuff, you are uh, looking at stuff, looking at artwork when, when, when working on, on Gwent music, but do you also play Gwent or Thronebreaker or The Witcher games when you know, okay, I have to compose something, let's see how the game plays, that I get a better idea for when it comes to what I'm composing for? Yeah, I, I like doing that. I... Um... Especially in games like Cyberpunk, like Thronebreaker, when there's a story, I I really like doing that because I I, I feel like that because I, I I put myself in the shoes of the audience and I try to see the game sort of from their perspective, and that's why also I'm I'm not doing it you know as much as let's say a designer or someone else would do. I'm playing like every two, three weeks to figure something out. And I feel like I always have a fresh approach and a fresh eye, and I look at things more from the audience's point of view. And it, it is, uh, and I think by doing that, you can uh, come up with some pretty creative ideas, you know, sometimes write a track that works in contrast with something, which is always a very powerful thing. Uh, or, you know, you can hype up a moment, make a moment more scary, make a moment more romantic or whatever. So I tried to play that. It, it, with Gwent, actually, when the whole homecoming thing was uh, coming together, I was playing a lot of... Because we were, you know, introducing the dynamic music system and we were really trying to fine-tune how to do that because we wanted to do it. But then we thought, okay, but what's the 
the right amount of interactivity versus non-interactivity. Um, how much? Because also, you know, coming from the beta went courses loop tracks, so we didn't want to make a whole weird interactive music system that would change a lot of stuff because it would feel kind of weird compared to the stuff before. So we just basically wanted to take the best of both worlds and try to find uh, the right amount of, of interactivity. Uh, and then, so playing the game really helped us figure out, okay, this this many cards, maybe this the drums should come in here, maybe we should, we should wait one more card or start it earlier. So that was that was uh, important. That was a lesson we learned by playing the game. So yeah, wh- whenever I could, I tried to play every once in a while to get a, a fresher perspective on things. Oh yeah, it's like super visible in in Cyberpunk, in my opinion. Like w- without that music, uh, the game would be I don't know. For some people, it would be probably worse. For some people. Uh, would be like a normal game, right? For me, it was like a pure masterpiece, but I'm like in minority, unfortunately, I guess. But, you know, with, with the with the music, that was just something unforgettable. Unforgettable experience, for sure. Yeah, I, I have to agree with that, because I, I didn't play Cyberpunk. I'm, I, I'm guilty of that. <laughs> this whole sci-fi thing is just not my world. It's not my cup of tea. But I remember being very, very... Um, reserved about Thronebreaker. I was like, yeah, but then, you know, there's some older guy telling you the story. I really don't want that. And I, I don't know how I feel about all those quests and puzzles. It's not really my thing. And then I heard uh, Cold Before the Storm, which was part of the soundtrack. And I was like, if this is the music in this game, I'm going to play it regardless. And I bought Thronebreaker and I played it. I didn't, I didn't, I, I couldn't care less for, for all those quests and puzzles, but music and also dialogue and, and, you know, how the whole world felt, I was like, this is a completely new format when it comes to the Witcher games, but it's still kind of the same. It still gives you that feeling that you are embracing the Sapkowski world in this very specific way. Thank you very much. That's, uh, I, I, I keep Thronebreaker really close to my heart because it was like the first real game that I did from start to finish and it was released and it had a soundtrack release so this was like a major milestone in my life so uh, this is uh, this is a a project that was really important for me and you know we kind of approached it very seriously in the way that we spotted the music and then we implemented it because there's a lot of music in this game. It's like three something hours. Uh, and for a game of this scope, this is actually a lot. You know, a three hour three hours of assets is probably of music, sorry. Three hours of music is probably, you know, it's a it's a triple A game mount, you know. But um I think this is something that we, we like doing in the music team at CDPR. We we like to we not push things to to their limits, but to really give the the players the feeling that you know even after fifteen hours of gameplay, twenty hours of gameplay, there's some, still some new things that we can throw at you. You know, so don't feel comfortable after the first ten hours. It's not like you've seen everything already. Uh, there's still gonna be those surprises and. Uh, they can be very powerful, 
and they can break, you know, the monotony of a, of a gameplay loop, I think. And we love doing that. Right on. All right, perfect. Okay, so uh, actually the next question uh, was answered as well. So maybe I'm going to um, push another question from the chat. There was a guy asking about the music tools that you are using, and um, he wanted to know if you're using like the standard music tools like Ableton, FL Studio, and so on, or are you using maybe some handmade software like you know specifically for the project? How does it look like? Um, so, uh, went Thronebreaker, and basically everything that involves an orchestra, I do inside Logic. Um, I've built my template years ago and I still have it and it's been tweaked ever since. So all my levels, all my reverb sends, EQs and stuff like that, they're constantly being fine-tuned. And with with Cyberpunk, everything was done in Ableton um, simply because the way I, I approach the production of the music is I recorded a lot of analog synths and in Ableton is very easy and it sounds really good when you warp a track, when you warp an audio track. And I think dude, because the interface is built in a way that the, the transposition knob is really, it's like right there. You don't have to search for it. You don't have to, you know, type it in a command or whatever. It's really handy. And actually that was the reason why I, um, why I stick to Ableton is just transposition knob was so important. Um, I don't have any custom software. I would love to. Uh, there's, there, I have a few ideas about uh, you know some custom plugins, but it's usually uh, you know it's when it comes down to software, it's usually the stuff that anybody can get. You know, mm. the sort of standard sample libraries that we all use, and uh, you know the stuff like the DAW or plugins. You know, they're easily available. Uh, the thing that differ, differentiates us are the recordings that we make. So for Cyberpunk, it was the analog since that we that we recorded, and for Gwent, it's the you know ever-growing library of ethnic instruments that we that we record. And um, for the uh, yeah, I think the the Gwent library because we started with some of the Witcher sounds. Then we started recording our own, and I think we have, you know, I don't know, hundreds of gigabytes of those sounds, and we always look for. Actually, recently we had a session, and the the tracks for the journey um, were, I think, two of the tracks, yeah, two of the tracks were mm, conceived during that session, uh, and Margin and I, and we actually have a third composer on board since January where it's you know prepared very simple riffs and then played around with them and these were the sort of building blocks for the blocks for the journey tracks and so yeah so this is probably the thing that m most people can't get in, or can't have because we made those recordings uh, so that's probably the very the custom thing and it's also the sort of the defining element I would say of, of Gwent and Witcher music in general are those ethnic instruments and you know, I play guitar myself. I play saz and bouzoukis and stuff like that. Uh, and I'm originally a drummer, so whenever there's a drum, I also like to record uh, some percussion. 
because programming percussion is a is a pain in the ass to really do, to really do it well. Um, and there aren't that many great percussion libraries, to be honest. And most pro composers they use the very few that are great. So we all kind of sounds samey at some point that's why i like to at least you know do some shakers do some like ethnic you know darbukas or whatever i can get my hands and record that and uh make it make it part of the the quent musical universe all right awesome well uh this is something that also you know uh interests me because um i know that a lot of professionals for example when they are creating something they they already have uh, you know, all the pieces coming together in their mind. And I wonder if you can actually, you know, memorize all that stuff that you have and pick it up, you know, on the spot and then, you know, put this all together when you're just creating the track, for instance. Is it really, uh, you know, uh, possible to do or or do you have to do some more work? Uh, you talk about instruments in specific? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like... Or, you know, just use the samples that you have already recorded. Yeah, uh... Because uh, when I buy libraries, I buy one at a time, always. This is like my rule of thumb. Uh, when we do recordings, we do very specific recordings. And you just add to the pool of possibilities. You just add one more at a time. And I think that helps with everything, of the memorization of it all. Also, the naming conventions of that we have of the files helps. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's a sort of like a mundane things, not really sexy to talk about, but but the, the way that you name a file, you know that even if, if you search through your you know your your drive and you just type in something, you know that there's gonna be something um, that's gonna you know that's gonna show up that may be appropriate, maybe something that you're looking for, but I, I think because we just do one at a time. It's, it, it helps with the with keeping track of everything, um, but there are situations, you know, from time that you go into a folder that you haven't been in for the last three years, and you're like, okay, that's a great, you know, a, a, a gla- I don't know, a, a flute glissando or whatever. Like, <laughs> it. It's a, it sounds awesome. So there are situations like that, um, but. I think when you stay on top of things, you kind of know what you have to work with. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you actually answered like three or four questions in a row without <laughs> even asking them. I'm sorry. <laughs> I, don't, don't be sorry because uh, you still provide us with the information we wanted to get. Uh, so, so how about we move to the, the question about how many people usually work with you? Uh, I think I think Hazard, that's that's your one. Your question. Oh yeah, yeah. Yeah, so, we kind of uh, have to find on the list now. <laughs> yeah, I gotta pay attention to that now. <laughs> okay, so yeah, actually, um, the question is about the composers and and you know some groups, external groups maybe that you're working um, with when working on the on the um, soundtrack, right? So we know that you have a team on site, right? Which is mm-hmm. uh, maybe not that big, but what about the external ones? Are you often cooperating with those? Well, due to the pandemic, that you know got delayed or didn't happen at all. But yeah, for Gwent, we usually record soloists, and this is what we, what I look for 
is someone who can play a weird instrument. I would like to record this person. Um, so it's usually soloists or duos. For Thronebreaker, I uh, rec recorded uh, Marta and, and Piotr Zalewski, and Marta played fiddle. I played uh, Viola da Gamba. And I recorded them at the same time in the same room because I really wanted this interplay between them. And a lot of the things... We approached the recording for Gwent sometimes as a normal sampling session. So, okay, play every note as a long note, play every note as a short note, play, you know, whatever. And we're very sort of diligent and know, okay, we need to have, let's say, three octaves of every single note with, you know, all the possible articulations. But also, most fun parts actually come together when, let's say, you have a riff. And in the case of, of Piotr and Marta recording, it was okay, I have this riff. Uh, so let's just, let's both, let's have both of you play this riff together. And then let's take, each of you take four bars and improvise on that riff while the other one is just company. And usually those are the, the best things because you have, you have what you need from them. You know it's going to fit to your track, but then you get the extra you know, personality from the musician. And it adds a lot, especially with, with uh, folk instruments. Um, they, they really sound bad when they're sampled. I mean, that's, that's true. And, but when they're played, those little ornaments and little, I don't know, a, a vibrato here and there, they really, uh, they really come to life. So it would be a shame just to sample, you know, a perfect note a few times and call it a day. You really want that performance in those samples. Mm -hmm. So this is, the, this is the way that I like approaching recording is prepare something, have them play it, and then, you know, give me something special. Um, so, like, a good example is there's this track. I think the official title is Retribution from Thronebreaker. To me, it was Castle Rivia. It's like the working title that I, the kind of, you know, it sticks with me. I can, you know, <laughs> I, I can never recall the, the proper, the proper name of that uh, of that track. But this is actually how it was put together. I had this intro riff, and then I, and I said to Piotr and, and Mart, okay, let's. You know, let's each of you take a solo every four bars, and I cut those recordings and put them together. So yeah, usually the the, the best the best parts happen like that. Um, you actually answered the question about uh, how many people are usually being recorded at the same time, right? Because you're mostly using samples from your own library and the things you recorded bef uh, beforehand. And then you have maybe, you know, one or two people being recorded at, at, at the time. So let's, let's, let's spin this question to something else. Like if you had to make a list of all people working on a single track, for example, the, the prize of power or the planet theme, how many people would that be? Because you are working with, you know, one, two people at the same time, but on average, how many people are working on a single track? If you include the samples and the work that, were, that was recorded beforehand. Okay, if I include the samples that were recorded beforehand, I would say that... It's, okay, it's me who wrote that track. 
there's usually probably the samples come from two, three people. Uh, so yeah, I would say probably four people at, on average. Um, sometimes I ask a friend to you know to re-record a violin line or whatever because I can't really get the samples to do what I want them to do. And I had to warp them too much, and they start, you know, I start hearing artifacts in, in, in the audio. So I would ask someone to, to record it properly. But yeah, if I, I, I think, I mean, I, I never did the proper math behind it and then did the statistics. <laughs> so I, I don't know if that's actually a true answer, but uh, it's, it's probably around that, yeah, because. Uh, yeah, we have like eight sessions for Gwent, maybe. There's some stuff that I recorded myself. So I think four is the, the good number. And have you ever thought about, you know, having like a get-together and, and play the music live? I, know, I would love to. You know, I uh, that's something actually I miss a lot. Uh, because as I said before, I was a drummer originally, and I, you know, I played gigs and stuff like that. And, and that's something I miss. Um, so, you know, when you're a writer, you basically sit in front of the computer. Everyone's, you know, everyone's, and again, you have a, a session here that you can meet with the with the players, and the music sort of comes to life, which is amazing. Uh, but I I m- miss the just sort of being on stage and the interaction with people. Uh, playing music is really fun, and playing music in front of people is like ten times the fun. Mm-hmm. Um, so I mean, I would love to. Um, it would be difficult probably to, to get all those soloists together in one room and have them play that would be probably difficult they all live in different places in Poland uh, so that would be problematic but hey maybe there will be an occasion one time in the future yeah the the reason why I asked this question is uh, there's an older title called Gothic uh, I'm not sure if you played probably I think it was huge in and Poland. And we're from Poland. We know what Gothic is. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. So, basically, um, they were uh, recording, like, a new take on an old folk song. And at some point, they figured out there was a German folk metal band called In Extremo uh, who also recorded that song. So, at some point, the devs were like, you know what? Why don't you just come to our studio and record it? And at some point during a certain event in the game, we'll show you guys on like live stage in game as in game characters playing the music. Cool. Yeah, that that was that was that was really cool. Pretty cool. Kind of kind of missed that in The Witcher. Like you, you have you have those stages. Like you have all kinds of songs being played, you know, quote unquote, live in The Witcher Three and in yeah. previous games as well. But it doesn't feel like it's being played live. You know, it's in, in Cyberpunk. I had the the rare opportunity of being the mocap actor for Samurai, so that was one of the best experiences in my life. This was to put the motion capture suit on and rock to the Samurai songs. It was pretty cool. I would love to do that in Gwen. I would love to do that, you know, in any other project because that's a lot of fun and you can really go nuts, you know, uh, <laughs> when you do that. Um, yeah, maybe they could convert you. I hope, you I hope the devs part. listen to that. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the the possibilities are endless. Maybe they could convert you into a Gwent card. It it happens oh. every now and then. There's a lot of devs that have yeah. been converted into a card. Well, I'm, maybe I'm still not worthy. 
Let's see. <laughs> <laughs> I think we asked this uh, when when Anna was was on our show, uh, the community manager, and she said that the list is pretty long right now. All the devs <laughs> and people who are working with the team, who they yeah. want to convert into a card. But she said it's a very fun process because the voice lines are obviously being recorded by someone else, but all the other sounds like grumps and screams and whatnot, uh, she had to record it herself. So uh, so that was like the fun part of. of the process so who knows yeah i would love i would love to do my own voiceover to be honest <laughs> <laughs> yeah, i kind of i, I kind of imagine you as a skeleton card yeah that'd be pretty cool i mean all the other you know the funny thing is um when we were doing homecoming uh i was responsible for the for the monster deck and and when i was the company, you know, the first couple of days, Martin told me that, okay, the idea for Monsters is that we're going to have growls. But we had very few growls recorded for, for, the, for the music. And in the, in the combat track for Monsters, there's a lot of me screaming and doing like a black metal crow-like <laughs> uh, growl. It's really fun. So I, I, can, I can do my own, you know, I can do my own voiceover. It's so I would probably see myself as a monster. That would be, you know, <laughs> it's funny that you mentioned be, be uh, the monster track specifically because I remember having a, a talk with my, with one of my uh, real life friends who was really into Hearthstone, and I was like, "Dude, you have to try Gwent. Give it a try." And he was like, "Yeah, why should I try Gwent?" And I told him the music is amazing, and the example <laughs> that I used was the monster track from Homecoming. I played it to him, and he he thought, "Wow, this is like a completely different level." Because you know all these other car- card games, they are very cartoonish and not exactly serious. And then you have Gwent. <laughs> yeah, thank you very much for that. I mean, that was uh, that was uh, a very conscious decision, kind of late in the process. That you know the better music has to go because the game got more serious. I mean, obviously now the the, the music is already in again, uh, but the game that got darker. So the you know the music should also get a bit more serious. Um, so yeah. Uh, one thing I was wondering about is, um, do you have different takes on 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 each theme that you are that you are composing? Uh, because we we know that from um, from visual artists, from people who work on on web artwork, that usually they have like three four sketches. They go to the management, they show it to them, and they have to pick one, and then they continue working on that one sketch and convert it into a proper card. Uh, is that is that also the case when it comes to music? Like you have you know two three ideas, you go to the man- to the management or to the higher ups, you play 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 a sample to them, and they're like, yeah, we want that one. Um, you know that that almost never happens. Uh, one example that was that is kind of like that is the track I did for Thanet Ku uh, was originally going to be the first track from the expansion because I thought that Thanet Ku is going to be the first of the pri- from the Price of Power uh, expansion. I played them. It's like okay, it's way more Harry Potter. It's it should be way more serious. And I figured, okay, so the Aretusa buzzword that I got is probably the wrong buzzword, uh, and I probably should uh, look for something else. And then I did the, the the track that ended up as the as the main track. Uh, but that, but that's like the only instance of it happening that I can recall. Maybe because 
I work in house, so I kind of know what we're doing, and I you know try to get updates from the team uh, regularly. And I don't know that kind of I I I, I, I can't remember the, like presenting a couple ideas. I also have like a sort of philosophical problem with that is that I can't concentrate on two things at once. Like if if I'm gonna devote myself to doing a track I have to feel 100% confident that this is the track that I want to present you know what I mean like splitting your attention into two things and like okay because ultimately what's going to happen you're going to have a favorite in those two you're going to feel stronger about one than the other and I think as someone who creates stuff, you have to follow your gut instincts. Like, okay, I think it's gonna be this. Worst thing that 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 may happen is someone's gonna say, I I think it doesn't work here. You should you know, you should try again, and then you try again. But I uh, I think you have to sort of trust your instinct. I think, and as I said, it, it rarely happens in when that I get like a complete no 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 from from someone someone from the higher ups it's usually like you know this track is really cool but maybe let's use it over here and let's have another go at it yeah i think it feels like there is like a difference between you know uh the guidelines maybe the requirements between the artists right the the visual artists and musical artists in in terms of showing off some for example some different versions right of their work I also feel like at, at the company, uh, because of the work that Martin did for Witcher 3, everybody kind of has an idea what the Witcher music should be. Mm. And I think we all are on the same page about how far from the canon we can go. And you, I mean, as, as simple as it's possible, like, I feel like... A, as long as I use the Witcher instruments, I can probably do whatever I want. <laughs> because it's, in the end, it's going to sound like Witcher music. So I can get as crazy as I want with harmonies, like, as crazy as I want with, I don't know, time signatures or whatever. But as long as I have those sazes and commences playing, it's probably going to be okay. You know, as a very, very simplistic way of putting it. Uh, but I, I think, you know, this... Again, it's a it's a testimony testimony to how how great the, the Witcher free music was, you know, and how much of an impact it made. The entire studio, even though new people come and go, you know, everyone's kind of on the same page as far as what is Witcher music like. Mm-hmm. Out of pure curiosity, have you ever thought? about trolling the management because you said you can you can you know improvise as long as you have a, a specific kind of instrument or, or instruments in the tune have you ever thought of going complete yolo and then you know writing something completely out of line but as long as you have those two three instruments it's gonna be fine well, now I want to do that. <laughs> now, now it, it seems like a fun challenge to do. Uh, doing the Witcher equivalent of re-rolling the entire management. I mean, that sounds, <laughs> that sounds fun. I mean, I'll think about it. <laughs> but if you do that, we would like to hear the result at some point. Because 
Yeah. I'm pretty sure it wouldn't it wouldn't be added in the game, but you know, actually, it's it's something. I mean, we... no, no. This whole the whole thing is to put it into the game, <laughs> and make everyone notice after the release. I mean, that's the fun part. Yeah. Well, uh, you know how how to do that? That's the question. Yeah, I, I hope good, Jason. Good job, guys in Yeah, like we <laughs> all, we always try to give you guys new ideas. <laughs> it's amazing. No, I I mean I grew up listening to to like eighties metal, and you know back in the day it was popular to put stuff uh, that would only play in reverse. Maybe that's something to think about. You know, <laughs> when you play it in revel in reverse, you get Rick Astley. <laughs> Yeah, for some for some strange reason, my Twitch mind thought of Gachi. <laughs> just just adding weird sounds to the tune and hoping nobody's gonna notice. Well, the people who are not aware of Twitch culture are not gonna notice. <laughs> yeah, there's uh, the the possibilities are endless. Oh yeah, absolutely. Uh, we but... can actually move maybe to the question we got uh, planned later on about the... I'm going to steal that one from you, WB. Yeah, it's okay. About the shitty flute, right? Because uh, there was like a segment. Uh, I'm musical not segment. involved. Yeah, You're I'm not involved. Not involved, involved oh, okay. Who <laughs> was? Uh, the, the person who is uh, has my utmost respect. I actually don't know who was responsible for that. <laughs> uh, someone from the sound team, I uh, assume. Uh, but I, I don't know who's, who's the one to blame. <laughs> it, it's it's yeah you don't blame them it was genius yeah it was, uh, it we, was. Were, we were trolled so hard except you know those very I, I'm not sure how many people do that but a lot of people don't listen to you in game music anymore and this is actually something that I would like to ask do you feel disappointed or, or maybe even offended that so many people for example streamers content creators who play the game for so many hours they don't listen to the in-game music anymore. They just turn it off and listen to whatever they want to. This is... Uh, I don't feel offended, first of all. I mean, this is their game. They can do whatever they want. Um, this, is, uh, this is a really difficult thing to... In online games, in multiplayer games, to write music that will be there forever. <laughs> <laughs> Especially, you know, people play... A, for a very long time and you know we only have a certain amount of music that we can play so yeah it can get i get i guess it can get annoying annoying you know after three four five you know a hundred hours and you still have those couple tunes to choose from you probably can get pretty annoyed by this music and that's something that uh, Martin and I often talk about when it comes down to multiplayer games and how to approach scoring them or should they even have score you know maybe they should have like a Call of Duty lobby music and then just music at the very end maybe that's the answer I mean who knows um, this is a difficult difficult subject and I, I feel maybe the the lifespan of a Queue is now extended because you can choose your own music in Gwent. Mm-hmm. So maybe uh, the life of you has been extended a bit, but it's 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 difficult. I mean, I, I don't blame players for doing that. I uh, 
sometimes play with the sound off, as we all do. You know, if you're on a bus or something, you have had, you don't have headphones, you're not gonna be blasting sound effects for whatever game that you're playing. Um, but this is a, this is a, you know this is an interesting problem to tackle. Let's put it like that. Mm. And there's definitely ways to improve it, and we'll see what the future brings. Maybe we'll come up with a thing that will prevent that from happening. That people would basically keep the music on because they love it so much, and it enhances their gameplay or whatever. You know, this is there's definitely room for improvement. Yeah, personally, I can only say that I definitely pay more attention to what's happening in-game when I have the soundtrack on. When I have my own music, I kind of I kinda, uh, lo- lose focus and, and, and then concentrate on the music more than, than the game itself. But when I have the actual soundtrack, I'm paying way more attention to what's happening on the board. I'm with you on that. I have the same thing. Mm. But- yeah, that's a good point. To go back to our original question list, where are we even? Uh, yeah, this is going to be hard. I think it's the first question <laughs> of part two. Uh, yeah, but we also partly answered that one. So maybe let's talk about the um, the challenges about the, the looping, right? Oh, and yeah. Making dynamic content yeah. as well. Because so, yeah, so, so, so to yeah, explain on, to our viewers, uh, w- there there's always a question list, right? And in, in this specific case... The questions had to be approved by both PT and, and Pablo from from uh, from CDPR, but as you can see, sometimes our guests uh, and we and we ourselves diverge from the list. So this is one of those mm-hmm. incidents where we're like, uh, "Where are we even?" Because the discussion <laughs> is going so well, <laughs> <laughs> and it's it's not it's not it's not the only problem we have with the podcast. To be honest, because as you as you notice before the show, we have this segment where we just you know talk everything and nothing, and sometimes we're like, "Do we even need to do the podcast anymore?" We just had such a great talk. Uh, but yes, there is a question that you also partially answered. Um, because as you said yourself, back in, in the beta phase of the game, um, everything played in a loop. And now, and now it's dynamic. Um, is, this, is this something that makes your work more challenging? Yes. Yes, uh, simply because... Um, the duration of a track extended like four times because the beta tracks they were I think two minutes each and two minutes is not even just the combat phase of our dynamic track right now most tracks if you put them together you know side by side and not even the because even the Spotify releases at least in my tracks, I omitted some of the fragments that I felt are disturbing the flow. Um, but if you put them, if you play from very beginning to very end, almost all of them are like nine minutes long. And there, we discovered while doing that, we discovered several challenges. Um, not only implementation but actually also in composition how to approach that because for example I quickly realized that I can't just slap a loop slap a loop of with a drum groove onto the ambient layer and call it a day I actually have to arrange a specific drum part for each and every segment um, but then again it has to still 
flow with all the others, you know. So I'm very, very conscious about where where is the moment where the dynamic gets its peak, and when it's when it comes down to you know the the most quiet the quietest part. And you think about it, and then okay, but because we have this. Uh, the way the ambient layer works, it's comp- constantly being rearranged and played in in random order. How do you prevent, let's say, going from the peak to another peak? You know, how do you? So the, the, those are the things that I think about when I uh, when I write. And the same thing is for the combat layer. Um, I try to make sure that whatever. The orders of those segments that it's still gonna sound like a piece of music, and not just a bunch of random loops. And you know, there are, there are obviously compositional techniques to to achieve that. Uh, and 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 this is you know it it requires a bit of additional brain power. Let's put it like that. When you do a loop, you basically do a loop, and you can call it a day. You know, it loops nicely. Uh, everything is fine, but if if there's like another an added difficulty uh, to make them work, so yeah, it, it is it is more difficult. But it's I feel like also it's uh, a lot more rewarding. And I remember playing Gwen back in like 2018 when we first had the prototype ready, and I played it and I'm like okay, this feels fun. This uh, this progression, although on paper it sounds it it looks really simple. Actually, you know the idea of it is really simple, but I think it works beautifully. You know, and it works really cool with with the gameplay and everything. And I'm actually really proud of the of the system. Although it's maybe it's not you know it's, like, it's not like groundbreaking interactive music system, you know, but I think uh, it shows like the, the extra effort that we did for the game. Um, and yeah, and I actually really like doing those, pro- the progressive tracks as we call them in house. Uh, they are very challenging, but also, as I said, very rewarding. Um, my question is, like my next question is because I remember when you know, these tracks were first introduced. A lot of people were wondering, okay, so what's what's going to happen to all these older tracks? Some of them were coming straight from The Witcher 3. And the answer that we got from guys like Pavel or, or, or Jason or, or Ryan later on was, you know, guys, we would have to effectively re-record them to fit this new uh, dynamic mode. And is this something you actually considered? You know, taking all those beta tracks and re-recording them to fit the new system. We actually talked about it. Um, but actually, I mean, I was coming from a place that, you know, it's a bit of a nostalgia trip to use those beta tracks. And I thought, like, if I want nostalgia trip, I don't want to... I don't want to change my memory of those tracks. You know, I want to hear exactly what was there. I don't want... A new version. I don't want a, a fresher remix or any, anything. I want exactly those tracks the way they were played. Um, so yeah. So we basically thought, okay, let's just use the beta tracks the way they were played. Um, recording that would be 
would be very difficult and I don't know if the effect that it would have would be worth the effort, if you know what I mean. Like, I don't know if that would change that much. Mm-hmm. Um, also, they eventually they would turn musically and stylistically, they would sound much more like the homecoming music. And I guess if you're a fan of beta music, you want beta music and not beta music that sounds like homecoming music. So I guess beta right now allows a bigger variety, more choices. And if we were to force it, the dynamic music system, it would probably feel off. Yeah, it definitely sounds better to to hear the old music. I think this is what it's it's for, right? Exactly. exactly. What was the plan with the you know with the devs and the game director? What they thought uh, when they had that in mind before, and and it's doing its job. I think the next step would be like you know giving us an ability to play the random piece, right? Instead of choosing it automatically. I some people in chat mentioned that as well. That'd be cool. And yeah, I. Let's do everything. <laughs> this is my <laughs> attitude. Like, I'm, uh, I love all those ideas. I mean, the idea, as I said before, the idea for the music being the vanity, it, it wasn't my idea. It was someone else's. I don't even know whose. But at first, I didn't like it, but now I thought it was a brilliant idea. So I'm, I'm open. Like, let's, let's do it. <laughs> yeah, we are setting the tone here, coming, coming up with new ideas for CTPR. We should, we should be getting paid. Let's be honest. You should. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, we are being paid, but in a different place. <laughs> uh, moving well, on. We, yeah, we actually, again, answered all these questions here. I have one question from Alice from chat. Maybe we're going to ask that one. It's, uh, that's an interesting one. Uh, yeah, a question about your favorite piece of lore, character or place or event that you would like to write about someday. Do you have something like that? Well, the, from the games I was involved in, uh, Gascon was definitely my favorite character, and my favorite villain was the Bloody Mistress, and I remember I did the Bloody Mistress track, I think, in like five hours. It was really quick, like, oh wow, this, is, this whole thing sounds amazing, and I remember I was spotting the game, and Machi and I were... You know, picking, okay, I'm going to write this track, you're going to write this track. That was the one track, okay, I'm writing this one. You know, from the the very point, uh, from the first time I saw this, uh, sort of the idea for the character, I'm like, okay, this this one's mine, I'm doing her track. So probably those two. From The Witcher, very difficult, because there were a lot of great characters. I mean, I love Dandelion. Uh, I... Uh, it's really hard to pick. Love, I mean, th- there were a lot of the um, a lot of quests I really enjoyed in The Witcher Three. I love the Tower of uh, Fuck. What's the name of the quest? One with the with the sort of very tragic love story and the tower that was based um, on folklore. Tower full, mice full of tower, tower uh, full tower of, of mice. Yeah. yeah, I really loved this one. That was a great quest. Yeah, it was an amazing um, quest. I mean, the, I mean, the thing is, you know, designers, writers, all the lore people at CD Projekt, they're so good at their work. You know, you've, you really get constantly amazed 
by their awesomeness. So it's really hard to, to pick, but if I, you know, if I really have to pick, I would probably pick the, the ones I picked. All um, right. Well, we, we also know that, you know, you're, you're not a fan of revisiting like, the parts of the soundtrack that you've made and applying some changes, but is there like any condition that, you know, where you would like to actually change something? What, what would have to happen to make you, you know, revisit something and, and, you know, change it after the submission, for instance? Well, I mean, I'm not a... I'm not a fan of that only because I have to do more work. It's not, it's not like <laughs> I'm a douche and I don't like doing that because of reasons. You know, I, right. I, I, if I get, you know, if I get a feedback from someone uh, from the dev team saying that, okay, we need to change it because of something, I'm like, okay, sure, let's do it. I'm, I'm, I'm not very precious about my music. Uh, it's not, I, I don't treat it like my children, you know. Mm. And oh, it should be this way. No, there's there's many ways of scoring a scene. There's many ways of scoring characters, and you know a lot of different music will will work to a point. So it's really no reason in arguing, especially you know when you're making as much tracks as we do, you know, hours and hours of music every year. You've you sort of grow, you know, you grow accustomed to the fact that you know there's gonna be some changes. So let's just do those changes and let's move on to the next one but you know answering your question what what would i change? i mean to be honest i uh i feel like i'm getting better with every single track i'm making so i'd probably change a lot of things in mixing and arranging um those older tracks like all the thronebreaker thronebreaker tracks um but there would have to be like a good reason to do that <laughs> Let's say, I don't know, we're releasing the game in Atmos or whatever, and they need the music to be in Atmos. That would probably be a good moment to revisit those mixes and do some changes to the arrangements. Uh, but it's, yeah, it's, uh, I, I, first of all, I don't really like listening to my own stuff, <laughs> especially right after it's uh, done or released. Because, you know, after some time, I sort of get detached from it and I can listen to it more or less objectively and I kind of feel it feel like this is a track someone else wrote and I guess I can be a bit more objective because at first I'm like this is probably really bad but I have no time left so it's, it is what it is um, so yeah so if if someone says okay we need to do, change something I'll probably change it but it's not something I would do willingly. <laughs> All right. Kind of follow up on that. I know that you said that it never ha- or that, that it almost never happens that you have you know a track composed for something and then higher up say uh, it's not really what you're looking for. But have you recorded something where you yourself thought now that's not it? Have you like a like, like a list of tracks that you recorded at some point? that were not added to any of the games? Well, they were never made public. They are uh, hidden in the vault somewhere, and they're probably going to die in that vault. Well, I mean, I try to present things to the team that I'm confident that will do the job and do the thing that we wanted to do. So, I think... Uh, I, I don't think I have tracks like that, because... 
the, the ones that I'm presenting, I feel confident. I've spent time with them. I, I'm trying to make them, the, you know, as good as I can. So I don't like presenting half-assed ideas um, because, as I said before, I, you're going to have a favorite. You're going to feel that it's not not exactly clicking with, with what's going on. So I think the smart thing is just to ignore that and either start over or do something that will feel uh, a bit more connected. The, sort of in the same vein, what happens sometimes, and I get actually very positive feedback, is we have a very good editor, video editor in the Gwen team, Bartosz, who's really good at putting a temp score for trailers. And I do get a lot of feedback from his work. I really like the way he puts together music. And I think he has a good taste and good ear. And sometimes he does things that I wouldn't do. And then I do what he did and everybody loves what I did. So I uh, I own a bit of the success of my tracks to him because his ideas are great most of the time. Uh, and it's not, it's not uh, you know, something that all video editors are born with. I mean, this is a very specific talent and a skill that he has. Um, so, yeah, sometimes I'm, I'm surprised by the, the way he puts together music and the way he uses music in trailers. And I sometimes just copy what he does, <laughs> you know, because it works brilliantly with the picture. And I just, like, apply my themes to it and my vibes, but the structure of it sometimes is just directly... I mean, and obviously sometimes, you know, he either asks for music in advance or we work together on it and we try to shape it to something. But, you know, there were instances in the past uh, where he did such a good job that I thought, you know, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna put the themes on top of what you did because the structure is so solid and, you know, I would do the same thing or I wouldn't do the same thing, but what you did is awesome. Let's do that. So uh, a, a great collaborator he is. Yeah, we are writing it down. Potential list of guests, you know. Um, you actually already answered the question about lifting. Has has it actually ever happened to you that that if, you were so inspired by somebody else's work that you finished writing your own theme and then realized I just copied what what somebody else did? Uh, you know, I mean, that probably you know, it's th- this probably happened, but like unconsciously and I will know about it in a year when someone sues me or something like that like, I, I'm very conscious about that uh, when it comes down to not lifting and I have this rule of thumb like if I feel like it sounds like something I stop doing it well, obviously it's not always possible because you sometimes are under a crazy deadline or whatever but I this is something actually one of my teachers told me years ago. It's like if that if that's some if that you feel like oh this sounds like real film music, it sounds like I don't know, Howard Shore, you should probably stop doing what you're doing because you're probably are a bit too close to Howard Shore. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I, I I try to I, I try to avoid it probably like everybody, you know. But then again you are a sponge. You are constantly being influenced by 
music you've listened to the music you've listened to as a kid growing up so it's really it's kind of hard to self-analyze and decipher what the hell you're really doing if you're lifting or not are you lifting you know the thing that you're doing is still creative it is a it is a bit of a gray field uh, but if you know i try to avoid it as much as possible um but also when it comes down to the themes from our universe the witcher universe i don't care about those things i'm lifting as much as possible and i actually love doing that you know i i love using uh martin's mikoi's theme sometimes as i don't know like an ostinato part or a bass line or use it as a theme and i actually like doing that uh it's uh it's actually one of the most fun parts about doing music for gwent is that you have this library of stuff that you can go back to you know you have some motifs themes or vibes in general that you can uh you can use you can use to your advantage so I try, and also as a fan you know i love when that happens in other franchises that's why also i like doing that Fair enough. Um, to kind of close this segment, th- there's one question that we really wanted to ask. Um, because you are you are talking all the time about you know how things are being made, and we are really interested in the process. But under the master mirror video, you actually shared a really interesting factoid. Like you said that the opening flute was performed by your two year old nephew. Yeah. So, and th- okay. This is so something this is... we want to hear about. Okay, so I think this story started living its own life, and at some point I thought, okay, I'm not gonna, you know, I'm not gonna reveal the truth. I love the anecdote. Uh, <laughs> the thing is, because someone, I think someone didn't understand or didn't care to understand that. I, I think I wrote specifically that the opening flutter, which is a technique. Like of overblowing into the into the flute, which is literally just this first. Someone somewhere translated it that this whole melody is performed by him, <laughs> and this whole melody is actually performed by like a normal musician, like a normal grown-up, and just the flutter is performed by him because I literally I had my iPhone, I had a, like a piccolo flute, like a children kind of flute, and I said like, okay a flutter and he's like he did something he did some you know articulations on it and the ones and this one sounded cool like okay i'm gonna put it on the very front of the track and you know he's gonna be a recording artist since he's two years old <laughs> and yeah and so someone thought that the entire melody is played by him so and at, at some point i'm like oh, okay this this is a too good of an anecdote to spoil it to people. Of course, I'm now spoiling it, which is kind of, you know, I should probably say, yeah, everything is played by him. <laughs> um, but yeah, that's the that's the story behind it. Do you have more stories like that? Of, or let's say more that. stories that you are willing to share, because uh, we understand that you don't wanna you know blow them all in one go. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to you know. Trying to think of something. Um, well, one thing that I, I I know a lot of people are confusing is they think of Gwent team as Thronebreaker team, 
and I uh, often get comments like, oh, I'm glad I'm hearing Thronebreaker theme inside Gwent, and it was the other way around, but again, we thought like, okay, I'm not going to disclose what the hell's going on. Thumbs up. <laughs> uh, so, get a lot of that. Like other... Hmm. I told you about me screaming in Monsters. I'm also singing on one of the Skellige tracks. There's like a low hum uh, that I just double-tracked myself. But that's, that's actually the thing with me. I, I do... I can't really sing. Uh, but I sing a lot to my iPhone and I sometimes use the recordings. I actually used it in Cyberpunk quite a lot. Uh, I would just play those recordings through a bunch of like analog effects that I had. And they would become the part of, of, of many cues, actually. And, but at, at some point, the voice gets so mangled that you can't really tell that this is a voice. It's just some thing. It sounds like a synthesizer in the end. Um, I can't really... If I'm going to remember something, I'll write to you guys, because <laughs> uh, I'm blanking right now. Because... But honestly, now we are going to go through all these Skelligatunes trying to find your voice. <laughs> well, I mean, this is the combat track. I think it's like Riches and Glory, it's the name. No, 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 sorry. This is the ambient track. So Sea Dogs or something at the very end, I think. when oh, I know the drums are already playing. And there's, there's me singing like a very low, something like that. <laughs> Yeah, this is a pretty good story, not gonna lie. <laughs> well, I mean, the the, re- the reasoning behind it is I, although I use samples every day, I hate using them. It's not something that I enjoy. I do it because I have to. It, I was, if I had the budget and the time, I'd record every single instrument, you know, and just use samples as an effect. If I, if that was the effect I'm looking to get. Uh, so I always try to record something live. First of all, firstly, you don't have to program the part, and the part already sounds natural, which is a big thing with working with samples. You always try to make them sound natural, and obviously they never do to a point that really be like really would be satisfactory. The second thing is just it makes things more fun, you know. Uh, which when you have to write the amount of music that we do for games. Crucial, you know, that you're not bored and you're not thinking of it like a mundane task, like a nine to five job that you have to, okay, another combat track, here it goes. <laughs> so, you know, so, so recording stuff always, um, always adds a bit of freshness to the whole thing. And also, it's great because it limits your possibilities. Like, if you say all yourself, okay, you know, I have those instruments here, maybe I'm just going to record them and try to work with whatever they can do. It limits the infinite palette of sonic possibilities and you can actually be more creative with that that restriction. Alright. I think it actually exhausts the list of uh, Gwent-related questions that we had. (laughs) Uh, But there is more to come. There is more to come. There is... uh, We have one competitive Gwent-related question that you are probably not going to answer or maybe the answer is going to be very short and then we have the personal Q&A so get ready because some of these questions are quite interesting right so uh, competitive Gwen, Hesser 
Yeah, well, the competitive segment is going to be way shorter than usual this time, but we can make it a bit more general. Well, well first of all, or do you have like any interest in competitive gameplay? Do you watch tournaments of Gwent? If if not, then maybe I, watch some. I you know, some watch, yeah, I did watch some. Uh, the couple first ones, but I actually was uh, watching them with a friend from CDPR, and he was kind of explaining the tactics and what's going on, and it was actually really, really interesting. And at that time, I didn't really know uh, the mechanics of Gwent that well. I mean, I still don't really. Uh, I, I don't consider myself a Gwent expert, but I kind of know what's going on. And when I was watching that, he was literally, you know explaining what the hell is going on <laughs> so uh so i remember watching that whatever year it was 2018 19 i, I don't i don't remember exactly uh but yeah i remember i, I remember also there was uh i don't remember the name of the player i'm very sorry but i remember there was like a great play someone did you know like a very smart move and that was sort of went viral around the company and i remember people sharing that video and again i don't remember what that was because i was so deep into cyberpunk i don't know i couldn't remember my own name so <laughs> so i don't remember what that was specifically but i remember you know an instance of that happening all right and what about the other esports are you are you like watching something do you, are you have any interest in that or not so much? You know, I, I don't really watch uh, esports. Um, and probably because I'm a very bad player. Uh, so a lot of the things that those people do are on a level that I don't really understand what the hell they're doing. You know, like I played Call of Duty for like four months. In 2020, right, right when the pandemic started, and you know, at first I played with with friends. It was okay. Then we and then we were they were they introduced like the the esport kind of uh, rule set to some. And I remember we played one of the rules, and we were totally decimated by those people. And I understood, okay, this is some pro level shit going on. And I, I, I'm, it was literally I was spawning and uh, like three, I couldn't move and I was already dead. <laughs> so I feel like with most of the games in esports, I, I, those players are on a level that I can't comprehend, basically, you know. Uh, but I did watch some FIFA once. Uh, <laughs> but the, these were the, the people playing it. They weren't like pro esport players. They were regular football players playing. All right. uh, because the pandemic hit and they had people playing, you know, football players oh, yeah. playing FIFA, I and I watched that, and that was interesting, you know. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, that's that's my only exposure to esports, really. Yeah, that's actually a really fun thing to watch. Um, for instance, there's a couple of F1 drivers who also stream on Twitch. Landon Norris is streaming on yeah. Twitch, and I think he had guys like George Russell over to. I'm not even sure what games they're playing. Probably not if not in F1 simulator. That would be kind of silly. But they are still st streaming on Twitch, and that's really nice to watch. Oh, well. On the other hand, you know, some of the some of the racing games are are almost like simulators, like real simulators. So I guess you could probably sharpen up your skills 
to a certain degree. I mean, maybe, you know. Mm. I know that I, I know playing Guitar Hero is not going to make you a better musician because I tried that, didn't work. <laughs> oh, have you thought about, for example, you know, streaming, you know, making music like on the spot, like, I don't know, Mark Rebillet or something like this? I heard that, and to be honest, I I don't really see the point of doing that. But I know Black Dead Mouse is doing that, or some other people. Uh, I understand the, that some people may be interested in how things are put together and the sto- sort of uh, behind the curtain part of it all. But at least knowing how I work, how boring it is, I can't imagine someone watching that. You know. Uh, and also, you know, the um, the amount of mistakes that I do when I write and like the left or right turns that I take, and they happens to be the wrong turns, and I have to go back and, and to, for someone to watch that, I I think it would be painful to watch. Uh, on the other hand, uh, I love like documentaries about music. Or, like there's this great. Uh, series called classic albums you know about the, the like the biggest albums ever made and how they were put together i love watching that i love all the stories and like behind the scenes footage uh so you know but again this is properly edited you know a yeah. fully made documentary uh that's entertaining to watch and not just guy you know making something but you know there's there's people watching it so Someone's yeah. interested in it, you know. <laughs> People are watching a lot of weird shit on Twitch, so you know. <laughs> oh yeah, there's um, always gonna be audience. <laughs> yeah, let's let's not not get into that whole uh, bathtub meta or whatever it was called. <laughs> <sighs> um, okay, so going into the personal Q and A section, and th- we have a couple of questions that are Gwen related, so I guess we can skip them. But I'm I'm actually interested. How did you get to compose for CDPR? Because whenever we have somebody from the Dev Studio on this show, we ask them how did you how did you get to work with CDPR? How did you get to work on Mucher, Gwent, Brecker, and so on? Well, it, it, there was literally a job listing <laughs> on their website that they're looking for a composer. Um, and at that time, I was living in Los Angeles uh, with my soon-to-become wife. And we were thinking about going to Poland for some time. And I saw, okay, so CDPR is looking for a composer. Maybe I should send my CD. So I sent my CD and I got the job. It's as simple as that. Of course, I went through the normal sort of recruitment process. I had, you know, tasks to do and multiple interviews. Um, but yeah, it, it was, it's, it's, it's uh, it doesn't really happen in like the music part of the industry or in the film industry like there's you know a position a slot open at a company and you can just apply first of all because there's not a lot of in-house composers in the industry that's almost a relic of a, of an older time you know where there used to be in almost every studio because there was the sound guy who was also the composer you know um So yeah, as as normal as it sounds, yeah, it it was as as simple as that. Um, you know, the 
I mean, I was obviously a fan, you know, of The Witcher 3. Uh, and I knew that Cyberpunk was coming. So to have the opportunity to work, first of all, in The Witcher franchise and then to maybe do some original stuff for Cyberpunk, the idea was so ridiculous. I was, I mean, I was, the fact that I got the job, I remember when I got a call, like, okay, you got the gig. It was so weird. I was like, are you serious? And this is not a prank call or whatever. It almost didn't feel real. Uh, but yeah, it happened. Yeah, sounds like a good story to me. <laughs> I, I did I did expect some, let's say, uh, a great depth to that story. Like, you know, I, I remember when we had Pavel on the show and he said he, he wrote something on the forums and he was very active there. And then he started talking with the devs, and in the end, they they offered him the position of community manager. Uh, but it 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 sounds amazing. I, a lot of people would not make the move. Like you 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 live in Los Angeles. Like you probably have a good job, and then yeah, let let's go back to Poland. Well, I mean, I I was I mean as ever, I mean the industry over there is huge. So I was like one of the ten thousand, twenty thousand composers looking for a job over there. It's not like. No, I mean, I went there as a student and I was spending the, the next year basically working entry-level jobs in the industry, like doing music programming or, you know, some orchestration arranging, doing some ghostwriting and stuff like that. So it wasn't like I was making it over there. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, so that also added to the weirdness, you know, I'm, I'm doing some ghostwriting and then what, I'm going to just do music for cyberpunk is like really like the you know one of the biggest games at that time that people were waiting for so it didn't seem real you know yeah someone huge, would huge leap yeah that someone would be so stupid to hire me for it you know they did uh so yeah so it was it, it was really uh it was really a, a game changer in my life and i'm i'm forever grateful to martin i told him on multiple occasions especially when i'm drunk like, bro, you really changed my life, man. Like, <laughs> where you go to the deep stuff, you know. Um, but yeah. Uh, the, the, also, the thing is, in, in Poland, I mean, the industry is, is booming compared to other countries. Uh, but, you know, the, as a fan, especially a fan of The Witcher 3, and actually the first Witcher also, I love the first Witcher. Uh, it, it, it really... It really was and still is a dream job. Yeah, I can I can see that. Though to be honest, when I'm when I'm listening to you, you know, the Thronebreaker soundtrack or the Gwen soundtrack, I don't really see that many references, if any at all, to the first and the second Witcher. It's all about the Witcher three. Yeah, uh, I think Witcher three musically is like the canon right now for us. It's um, because it takes from it takes the good stuff that was in the first and second game and basically amplifies them and make them the centerpiece of the musical universe. At least this is how I look at it. Um, there was more like orchestral stuff. There was even some electric guitars in like the second yeah, Witcher. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think thing like the the instrumentation, the timbre, and the texture of the music. That's in the Witcher feats. It's 
it's the canon, it's the Witcher music, you know. When you say Witcher music, people think about this game, not not the previous games, so. Yeah, true. Uh, Hazard, you still have some questions on the list, I'm not mistaken. Oh, yeah, that's right. Uh, well, in your spare time, uh, although we can imagine that there is not so much of it, <laughs> what kind of music do you listen to? And uh, do you have, like, any recommendations for those people spending thousands of hours in Gwent, for instance? Well, I uh, I love classical music, like late nineteenth century and and uh, up, like twentieth twentieth century is probably my favorite uh, century when it comes down to classical music. Um, I love electronic music. I love the stuff you know from warp like Aphex Twin to Berlin stuff that's happening right now. Um, I, uh, I listen to a lot of metal because that's sort of something that I mean Metallica is my favorite band ever it's like the most important band in my life is that they sort of introduced me to music and to, and showed me that music is fun <laughs> so doesn't matter if I listen to them now it's it is the most they are they were sort of the the gatekeepers in a funny way you know they mm-hmm. opened the gate for me it's like listen music is amazing <laughs> uh, so yeah, and so that's probably those three are the, the, the main, not even genres, like types that I listen to. Um, I don't listen to a lot of film scores or game scores, actually. it's only I only listen to them like for work purposes. When someone's, let's say I have an interview with someone or we're working on a game and someone mentions something, I'll listen to it. But it's, it's not something that I listen to... Uh, for pleasure mm. um, also because you know with more classical approach to film scoring I rather would listen to the source of inspiration I would last, rather listen to Bartok or you know Vaughn Williams or Stravinsky than this, someone's reinterpretation of it although you know there are many film composers or film scores that I actually have on my playlist, like some, you know, stuff by John Williams or Anne Silvestri or Johan Johansson. Um, but to me, those, those composers, they, they work, they, um, they, at least in my playlists, they occupy both the film territory, but also like an artist territory. You know, to me, uh, the fact that there is a movie scored by Anne Silvestri is a, good enough reason to go and see that movie. Mm. The same thing was with Johan Johansson, you know, when he was still alive. It's like, okay, this is a new Johan Johansson movie. I'm going to watch that. Uh, so, yeah, that's probably uh, the, the things I listen to. Yeah, it's actually interesting that you said um, that when it comes to classical music, it's about late 19th century onwards. I'm on the opposite side of the spectrum. I always say I only listen to composers who have been dead for at least 350 years. <laughs> like I, 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 I love, you know, Monteverdi, Gabrielli, Corelli, uh, Schutz, uh, basically late Renaissance and, and then Baroque. Everything with, with harps, har- harpsichord in it. That's my jam. <laughs> the really? moment piano enters the scene, I'm like, no, no, that's, that's, that's the reason. <laughs> well, I... I, I, I I like music with attitude, and I feel like that, you know, especially early 20th century stuff is a bit more punk rock, and it has, like, a lot of guts to it, and it's something I really, really enjoy. Um, and it also it also is very dramatic and very 
film score like you know if you listen to Prokofiev or Stravinsky I mean you can you can literally pinpoint places uh, in like moments in movies that were directly influenced by specific moments in those pieces uh, and actually the, something that I picked up during the pandemic is actually listening to classical music with scores and then analyzing scores um, it's, it's something that I never really did and because of the pandemic I started doing that and this is like my last time hobby I like doing and I learn a lot and I also um, get a lot of great ideas to you know pick from people especially about orchestration about voicing something like that you know um, so I enjoy doing that what I kind of missed on that list of yours is is rap. I expected to be a lot of rap to be there because you worked with with Pezet, who happens to be like a well, very well known Polish rapper, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, yeah, that's true. And that's, well, that's, I, that's I, one he's... of my questions. Like, how would you compare that? Like, how would you compare, you know, writing for for CDPR and you know, all these games? You and to to working with somebody like him, like like. Well, like an I, first rapper. of all, I was. Uh... I was a drummer in his band for three and a half years, so I, I never really produced anything that he was rapping on. Although the three years that I've spent with him and the other groups that I was uh, playing drums with were one of the best years of my life. Good, you know, good uh, rock and roll life was going on, uh, and they are still great friends of mine. And I always speak very highly of them because they're great people. I mean, the difference is, you know, the you basically live on this stage because you you know we were playing a lot of gigs back then so uh so the difference is you do you get constant interactions with people and now i'm sitting in front of the computer <laughs> you know it's a it's a very solitary life so that's probably the main difference you know that you're alone all the time yeah i can i can see that um, but you know, now that you can get outside, do you still skate? No, man. I I used to, well, actually when I was in in Los Angeles, I bought longboard because it was easier to move around and to go places on it. Um, but that was what 2016, yeah, 15, 16, 17, and I actually left my board in LA, and I never really skated since then and you know longboarding is not like real skating i wasn't doing tricks i was just getting from one place to another mm-hmm. uh i i feel like if i if i get on a real skateboard now i would probably be terrified <laughs> you know because it's a i don't feel like i'm very old but this is a young man's sport in a way that you have to have this sort of level of, of recklessness yeah you, know, that you 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 can't think too much about oh something's gonna happen to you you're gonna get an injury you know I actually broke my hand on the when I was skating so I had this trauma and you know and I I was skating after that after I recovered but I had this trauma that okay I might do that again and that kind of stopped me from I actually stopped skating. I was, I think, 15, maybe, because I felt like, okay, I'm probably going to be a drummer in my life, so I need to have my hands in shape. Oh, yeah, yeah you know I that... feel, yeah, I, like, 
recently got like the cruise board and it was like you know finding trying to find like the balance between like the standard board and the long board and i always every time i'm going outside to practice i feel like you know that buscami meme you know with the fellow kids (laughs) (laughs) yeah and i feel scared Sure. But you know the comment about recklessness. Like once, once again, it it, it brings me back to F one, where you know um, there's older drivers who get back into the sport, and, and people are like, "Yeah, why aren't they performing the same level?" Because they're older, because they have families and kids, and they hit the brakes a little bit earlier because that level of recklessness is no longer there. Their risk assessment friend, is different. Exactly, a friend of mine is uh, similar age to mine, and is now doing his driving license. And he never drew, never driven a car before, and I'm, I'm talking to him, and he's like, "Bro, I'm scared all the time. I don't know what the hell's going on." And I remember when I was reading my license, I was like 19, you know, so I didn't really care what was going on. It's like, okay, I'm just gonna go in the car and drive around, you know. It, I, I did, I wasn't thinking, well, okay, something might happen to you, you know, there may be an accident. You need to watch out. So, although it's you know like nineteen, that's thirteen years ago. I, I in myself, I see a big difference in that. You know, you you do feel way more responsible, and you analyze way more things. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, Hesser, do we still have questions from the list that you'd like to ask, or maybe something from the chat? Because uh, there's yeah, one more can... question that I want to ask, but that's gonna be at the very end. All right, all right. Well, I think that uh, we can ask the one that probably uh, PT is getting a lot. But uh, what advice would you give to, to you know to, to people interested in composing and starting at composing? What do you think is important thing? Well, I think uh, the most important thing is to write. And as simple as it sounds, um, we sometimes think that oh, maybe I need to study more. Oh, maybe I need to get a better library or better computer, I need to do something. The main main thing I think is actually writing, writing as much as possible, writing every day, and giving yourself time to grow. And what I mean by that is, you're not gonna get good overnight. So stop trying to get good overnight. So stop trying too hard. The way that your skill develops in very small increments, and you're not gonna notice the difference on a day-by-day, weekly basis. But you got to notice that on a monthly basis if you're going to work every day. And I would also encourage everybody to, especially when they're starting out, to write as many things as possible. Never try to make anything perfect. Never try to work on one piece for 30 days. You're going to get better results and you will sharpen your skills way more if you do 30 tracks in 30 days rather than one track in 30 days. Because at first you're not going to write a masterpiece, you know. You're going to be struggling with coming up with stuff. So it's way more important in quantity, there's quality. So also at the very end, you will have 30 things to show to people, not one. Which if they don't like the, you know, the first and the second one, you always have the third and the rest. So write as much as possible and write you know as as many pieces as you can um then you know try to convince someone to put them into their project whether it's a game or a movie or if that's obviously something that you're interested because maybe you just want to be an artist and you write your own music it's also great um 
then you know look for opportunities to post your music online maybe you know if you're doing like electronic music maybe there's a DJ who's gonna play your track if you want to do classical music you know befriend the conductor your conductor from somewhere maybe he will play your piece somewhere like one one thing is you know honing your craft and really working on your skill set and the other thing was putting your music out there and trying to make connections with people and professional connections um those two things are equally important and equal we all hear stories about great people that never made it we always hear stories about hacks that made it because they're good at talking to people yeah. you want to you know you want to I, I guess you want to bad but if you want to be a hack be a hack i don't care what anybody says yeah i think that that sums it up well <laughs> that's a very sound advice <laughs> okay one more question from the chat if we have any uh actually we've run out of those because i was you know uh mixing them up uh, with our questions all right so, so there is one question that i want to ask one more. and um <laughs> pavel didn't strike it out you didn't strike it out so we are going to ask anyway and it's probably a lot of to, a, a lot to ask but is there any chance you could actually play something for us <laughs> the problem is the only instrument I have is this violin and I don't really play this violin. <laughs> we were we are it's... actually hoping for some sick sass riffs. Yeah, the problem is I'm right now in my apartment and I don't have any instruments here. That's the shame. That's oh, actually yeah. why I'm looking forward to go back to the studio. Um because you know I have all my acoustic instruments and my electronic instruments there and I just can't wait to actually be able to just grab a thing, record something, put it away, then go to the next thing. Because in this room, I don't have the space to keep all that. You know, I hardly feel that my sort of my computers and everything here. So I can't really play anything. Uh, I'm sorry to disappoint you. No, we are not disappointed. It was it was a long shot from the from the from from, from the get go. Like we, we we thought if he agrees and if he plays something, that's gonna be huge. But the odds are it's not gonna happen. So we are not I'm disappointed. Sorry. We are very cautious about about this question. But you know, with that being said, we kind of ran out of juice. So um, let's go into the shameless plug in a segment, which is basically when you can promote yourself. Like when somebody wants to learn more about you and about your work, where can they find you? Well, I guess the, we live in social media days, so I guess Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and all those things. Uh, I guess you can find me pretty easy. Uh, if you type in PT Adamczyk, it's probably going to show up, or if not, you're probably going to have to do some digging. Uh, but you can always, you know, also on Spotify, I think you can uh, you can check what I'm doing there. And um, thanks to everybody for listening to my music. I really appreciate that. Thank you for the invitation also. It was great talking to you guys. And thank you for what you're doing to the community also. Um, yeah, and it was great talking to you guys. It was great having you. Uh, Hesser. All right, as usual. Well, I was supposed to ask you actually before the... Uh... Uh, the podcast to you know to not give me the voice this time <laughs> because you know, people you know can find me either way they can you know just type in Merchants of Navigrets and then find the channel as well but yeah if somebody wants to hang out uh, during my streams uh, can go to twitch.tv slash Hesser Tavern and I'm gonna be there 
Alright, and as always, I'm not gonna promote myself because you are already in my channel, but I'm just gonna remind you guys that if you wanna learn more about the podcast, you can follow us on Twitter at Novigrad Podcast, and that this episode is gonna be uploaded on YouTube, Spotify, and numerous other platforms either today or tomorrow. With that being said, PT, Hesser, thanks for being here. It was a great episode. Thank you, and guys. Chad, Thank you, guys. And Chad, thanks for staying with us and asking amazing questions. And at the end... Uh, special thanks to you, Ellis, and 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 uh, not from our community for providing us with a lot of suggestions. It was it was uh, it was some great effort. Thanks, guys, and uh, yeah, once again, everyone have a great Sunday, and we'll talk to you later. Hey.